This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Bay Area Ventures. I'm Doug Collum, and I'm here with my co-host, Marina Yen. Uh, we are now about to engage with our fourth VIP team. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to say, Irene, it's, it's been interesting. This is a new program for people who are just now dialing in. Instead of having two guests on the program, mm-hmm. one guest per hour, we've had four teams or founders come in who, who are all uh, products of the Wharton San Francisco Venture Initiation Program. Do you want to say just a quick word about that? Right. So Venture Initiation Program is an accelerator program that's open to Penn students and alumni entrepreneurs who are developing their own uh, ventures. So this one's based in San Francisco. It's a four-month program. Um, The program runs twice a year, and these teams are teams that graduated from the fall cohort. So um, it's a competitive program. These are teams that are well beyond the ideation stage. These are companies who have, you know, validated uh, product market fit. Um, They've demonstrated traction. Many of them, most of them have funding. And during the four months, they sit down, they define, here are what my goals are during this time, and we help them get from point A to point B, and we hold them accountable from getting to point A and point B. And the cohort um, itself is really supportive of one another, all entrepreneurs. And as we talked about, you know, you're in the foxhole. There are ups and there's downs, and it's amazing how um, they really support one another, and that's, you know, part of the experience also. That's great. So we are thrilled to welcome now to our show our next guest, mm-hmm. Fahad Jalal. Uh, Fahad is the founder and CEO of Sitter Friends, which is a child care service that provides on-demand nannies and babysitters. And I don't want to talk about it. Fahad, welcome to the program. <laughs> Thank you for having so, me. So give us the elevator pitch. What does your company do? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, really the inspiration for the idea came from a personal problem that I faced. I have two kids, an uh, 11-year-old daughter and a 6-year-old son. And I, I you know, took a break from my previous startup. Um, and I said, you know, I'm going to take on more responsibility as a parent. So I was tasked with finding a nanny for my for my two kids. And what happened was it... Which, you know, is, I, a, which is an important life decision. Yeah. Which is a very <laughs> important <laughs> life decision. Um, so I went through the process of downloading a whole bunch of apps, going through the process of, you know, on Craigslist and finding a whole bunch of people, then calling them and realizing most of them are not even available. The ones that were available were no shows for interviews. Mm-hmm. The ones that ended up coming <laughs> for the wow. interview, you know, uh, you know, were, were either late or they didn't have the right skill set. Then I finally, after three weeks of active work for three weeks, I kid you not, this was my full time job. I finally found someone and she was great. She was a college graduate and, you know, she wanted to do this for for the time being and she, you know, was going to do this for um, at least three months. I did a background check on her and then the day she was supposed to start, she said, she called and she said, I'm sorry, I I found another job, a full-time job and and I can't do this anymore. So I said, how in this age of Uber that parents like me are spending all this time going through this process of finding people that are available, vetting them, doing their background checks, calling their references. Why hasn't someone already done this for me? And that's how Sitter Friends came about, where we said, we're going to take away all this work that parents have to do to find child care providers. We're going to do that for their parent. We're going to provide real lifetime timetables of sitters that are available and that can do the job immediately. 
And that's how Sit of Friends came about. And that's what the company is about. So are you a founder or a co-founder? I'm, I, me and two of my other partners co-founded the company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started the idea first, but my other two co-founders, we've done three other startups before, oh. and this is our fourth startup Serial together. Entrepreneur, right? So, so when, when did Sitter Friends begin? Sitter Friends began in June of 2016. Uh, uh, 2000 and August of 2016 is when we had a prototype product that was adopted by 50% of the families in my neighborhood. And that's, <coughs> that is when essentially the product came about. And what are you competing for caregivers if it's all your neighbors? You know, I... Most of the time, this me and my co-founders, the way we would make business decisions, whether it was for our existing businesses or going for a new business, is we would build a prototype very quickly, and then we would try to test it in the market okay. and get market data. And the time when I knew that we had to jump both our feet in, my neighbor, Valerie, she tried the app for two weeks, and then uh, I, she invited us over for dinner. I went over for dinner. And the first thing she said, she showed me the app, And then she started tearing up. She said, Fahad, I finally have a life with my husband. You know, I'm finally able to have a relationship with my husband. Both of us work crazy hours. Mm-hmm. We just don't. And when we come back home, all we're doing is taking care of the kids. And we don't have a relationship anymore because of this, because of our lives. And with Sitter Friends, over the last two weeks, we've gone on five dates. Mm-hmm. And, s- and it was like... But that's a great that testament. That is a great testament. Yeah, yeah, it was a great <laughs> testament. Yeah. And she, and she, you know, she was, she, was, she was tearing up. I was tearing up. It was like... I went back home that <laughs> night. I called up my co-founders. I said, guys, we have to do this full time. Right. So that's when we jumped both feet in. So what is, the cu- what is the current mm-hmm. snapshot of the company in terms of how big is it? How many employees? Where are you? Um, Absolutely. I mean, just give me a sense of yeah, so uh, we are current right state now, of play. We are 16 people working full time. We are in four different metros, uh, New York, Chicago, Bay Area, and L.A. Oh, my gosh. And uh, we have 40,000 <laughs> sitters providers on our platform. Wow. 40,000 sitters. In two provided. years you've done this? Two and a half? Two and uh, a one half? and a half year. Yeah. Oh, my one gosh. One and a half year. That's yes. amazing. So for folks who are listening, can you walk us through the experience? So I'm a parent and I need a caregiver, um, whether it's full-time or part-time. How does, how, how, how does it work? Absolutely. So as a business, all we care about, we care about three things. And the three things are customer service, customer service, and customer service. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and okay. it starts, and our approach to everything, because we come from an engineering background, uh, all our co-founders are either Wharton, Stanford, or IIT grads. And uh, we, we try to use engineering and technology to provide that extra good customer service. So the first thing we do is, for example, every single sitter that's on our platform has gone through a five-step vetting process, which means they've done a phone interview, mm-hmm. they've been background checked, their references have been checked, their social media has been checked, mm-hmm. and they've done a working job before they, can become, bef- yeah, mm-hmm. before they become a provider on our platform. Mm. And all of these steps, if I was to do them manually, they would be very difficult. But we've used a lot of automation, like we've used voice chatbots, we've used um, uh, transcribing services, we've used machine learning mm. to figure out how to onboard sitters very, very quickly, but mm. also take them to a deep vetting process. So we have the five-step vetting process. Mm. And then every sitter has a live uh, timetable. So we know exactly... 
if when you see a sitter, when you click on a job, if I'm a parent and I say, I want a sitter for this Friday, you and you type in Friday at 5 p.m., our, our app will show you five options of five sitters that are available. Of those five sitters that are available, more than likely they are actually available. They're not just, you know, they're anchors with good ratings to pull our parents in. You send them a job request. You can send 10 to 20 sitters. You can send a job request 10 to 20 sitters. Uh, Some of the sitters will accept. So three or four sitters might accept. And you can pick the best one that you like. You can call them. You Mm -hmm. can message them. You can also video chat with them. We've mm. built our own messaging platform. Most of our parents are on iOS. Most of our sitters are on Android. Mm. So you can use our our own proprietary platform to do a video chat so you don't have to worry about calling them and interviewing in person. You right. can do all of that through the app. And then, you know, when the sit is about to start, when, say, it's Friday and, the, and you're supposed to go out on your date at 6 p.m., at 5 p.m., you will get an alert that your sitter's on the way. And if your sitter lives 30 minutes away, you'll see, okay, your sitter's like driving down, just like Uber, driving down towards your house, and they're like 20 minutes away from your house. And we also track the sitter while they're, um, while they're at your house, as well as sitter comes, all sitters come with a camera. Mm-hmm. So they'll come to your house, they'll place the camera so you can actually le- see a, a live a video stream oh my gosh, yeah. of what's happening. Yeah. Once the sit is done, you can you know give a rating to the sitter. You can anonymously give us feedback if you didn't like something. So this gives the sitter an opportunity to appreci- uh, uh, improve their service. Right. You can tip the sitter, and then you know that's and then the cycle rotates. So yeah. that's essentially the experience end to end. What is the financial model? Is it subscription? No subscription. We. You know, we've talked to thousands of parents and almost all parents say that we don't like subscription. Um, this is the this is an old model. It's it's our model is we take a percentage of the overall transaction fee and and, and parents seem to not mind paying. So that it's the usage. In effect, it's usage based. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. It's like the modern use, the modern tools like the Air, what Airbnb uses, what Uber uses, what pretty much every single app. Uh, application is using that nowadays so Fahad if there's a parent like in your case that that inspired you um, to create the app to to create sitter friends say somebody needs a regular sitter from three Monday through Friday three to eight p.m. they can find a date night sitter as well as a as a one that comes consistently absolutely we just introduced the recurring care model we started with the easier one-time date night model Mm -hmm. but our recurring care model has now become 80% of our overall revenue base Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it seems like it's a a lot more compelling parents need sitters to pick kids up from school mm-hmm. after school or before school because parents have to leave early their work is far away so that right now is 80 percent of our model so very few parents use us f- to find full-time nannies because, mm-hmm. you know, we're not there yet. But it's uh, for part-time anywhere between 15 to 30 hours a week is, is, is the predominantly major part of our, of our business. Right. I've got to ask the question. For, for a company that's a, a year and a half old? Yeah. H- how did you end up in four different metro areas? I mean, normally <laughs> there's a certain amount of conservatism that runs through the minds of the co-founders, which is let's, let's see if the thing works in one location let's first nail it in be- this before we decide to go for intergalactic <laughs> domination. I mean, <laughs> uh, I, 
go big I mean, or go home. I, <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, we we were growing pretty fast in the Bay Area, and we could have stuck in the Bay Area. But you know, quite honestly, we got we got called from people who would live in the Bay Area but started going to other metros and said, "Hey, I really like your service. Can you help me find people here?" And there were sitters that were in the Bay Area, and they were going they were going to other metros for college oh. and stuff. So we used our existing user base and we said, okay, how can we use our existing user base and grow in those metros? So essentially that's what we did. And to be honest, to be frank, 80% of our business is still in the Bay Area. Yeah. The other metros, we've seeded them and they are coming up Starting and growing to come up quickly. Yeah. So where are you guys in your growth right now, would you say? Are you scaling? Are you focusing on these markets? Do you have an eye toward um, other markets as yes. you get more feedback? From so our, our focus right now is just on these four metros. Mm -hmm. and um, That's a lot, by the way. Yeah. That is a lot. Just, we're just going to focus on these four metros. And uh, uh, we our, our primary focus is adding more customers. But what we do want to do is we want to bring other childcare services to our platform. Mm -hmm. So most of our sitters, most of our parents that were using us for date night said, hey, can you also find me a regular nanny? Mm -hmm. And then a lot of those parents that have regular nannies or, or have used us for date, date night are saying, hey, can you help me find someone who can drive my kids to school? Mm -hmm. Or can you help me find a daycare provider uh, that will help me with daycare? So we are exploring other mark others, other uh, pieces of the child care stack mm -hmm. and whatever areas we're in our goal is to provide end-to-end -end service for anything child care related mm -hmm. you can just use use us and and get all your child care services needs met if you're just joining us we're speaking with fahad jalal the founder and ceo of sitter friends and fahad was just sharing with us the markets in which you can find sitter friends and where they are in their growth stage um so for folks who are listening who have heard of other you know, um, child care services or um, apps, how do you differentiate yourself? That's a great question. Mm -hmm. So the traditional services that are out there, you know, uh, uh, the, uh, the other competitors that are out there, I, I feel that, first of all, the business model of subscription is an old school model. Mm -hmm. And most of our, these models are, are based on that. But there are three phases to this entire service. There's the matching phase, mm -hmm. then there's the service phase, then there's the feedback and improvement phase. And our competitors stop at the matching phase. In essence, what they do is they'll take, they'll show you sitters that will compel you to give them uh, the monthly subscription. And once they show you that, you're able to message the sitters, you're able to talk to them and communicate with them. But then after that, th it stops there. Mm -hmm. We don't stop there. We actually carry you through the entire experience where it is our job to match you to a sitter very, very quickly. So within, if, you, if you use our app, within five seconds, our goal is to provide you with five matches. No, none of our competitors will do that. Mm -hmm. Once you've decided on a sitter, to actually make sure that that service, that sitter, the, the service that the sitter is providing is top class, mm -hmm. that is a responsibility that we take on ourselves. Mm -hmm. So we make sure that the sitter arrives on time, that she will do a good job, she will take your uh, directions from what the parents are expecting. And then once that job is done, to actually collect feedback from you and to like improve the service. So make sure that our service is improved that the sitter gets feedback from the parents so our service is improved and then the loop continues. Mm -hmm. Our competitors are just focused on the first piece because it's the most lucrative piece. It's a way to like make money quickly but I think we're in this for the long haul and that is essentially that mindset is right. how we're different. And the second piece is 
you know, we're a group of technologists. So we're using technology to improve this entire stack. Whereas, you know, traditionally, childcare companies have been very good at marketing. And that's not something that we're focusing on. Yeah. Let me ask, um, earlier, you made the comment that you and your co-founders had had other experiences at previous startups. Mm -hmm. So did you bring uh, lesson skills, you know, um, learnings to this company? In other words, how important was your prior experience with startup companies relevant to what you're doing today? You know, every startup is different. Every startup is significantly different. So my first startup was a semantic search engine. My second was a supercomputer. My third was an Android phone. And this was our fourth. This is a little different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this was very different. Supercomputer to say, yeah. Right. The only thing I feel that was that really helped us was is, is the ability to have faith in ourselves and to be persistent. That is the only real thing that we took from previous startups, that you know that you're going to have highs and lows. You know that it's going to be very difficult. You know that it's going to take you two to five years to get any kind of real traction. And you really have to be it in, in it for the long haul. So those are really the skills that we learned from our previous startup. But this was a brand new space for us. It was a very humbling experience for me. All my, you know, my, my, when we sold our super, when we, when we were in the supercomputer business, all of our customers were engineers. Now all of my customers are essentially 80% are moms. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's brought brand new learnings. But Different this is bedside manner for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. But, yeah. but I mean, tr um, you know, the other thing we've been we've commented on with some of the earlier teams that came through, um, all all came out into this with as co-founders, and uh, we talked about, you know, what what are the qualities of co-founders that make that team successful? So you guys have there's three other co-founders. There's two others. Yeah, two others. So three, the three, three of, of you. Total. And so you're still hanging out together, and you're n now so you're friends. all <laughs> yeah. Now you're talking to a lot of moms and dads about stuff that is really important to them. That's right. I mean, do you guys still see things kind of the same way in terms of uh, you know commitment, dedication, work ethic? I mean, how do you guys yeah? How do you guys function? So you know, all the the three of us, we I've been so lucky, Amit and Rucher, who are my other two co-founders, that. We balance each other out completely. So what's, I, let's focus on that for just a second. What, what do you guys bring? What do you bring to the table, Fahad? And what are your two co-founders? What do they bring to the table? Yeah. So I, I am good with business and skill, uh, sales. Uh, you know, I, I have a very good knack of understanding what will it take to make a sale happen. Got it. Okay. Um, Ruchir is very good at building out like envisioning the product and then building out the technology. Yep. And Amit is a very good manager. He's a very good people's manager. So he manages people really, really well. And he's very good with, uh, you know, me and Ruchir are, are very aggressive and he sort of balances us out. So what titles do you carry? So uh, I'm the CEO. Uh, Ruchir is the CTO. And Amit is the president. Got it. Sounds like uh, it, it works. Whatever you're doing sounds like it works well. Yeah. <laughs> Fundraising. You've brought in outside capital. That's right. We've raised about a million dollars in capital. Mm -hmm. So, and we've, I think we would call that seed capital. It is. Is that, is that a fair characterization? It is a fair characterization, yes. And in four months, we're, we're raising another seed round um, of about uh, $2 million. And uh, we, we, our goal was to not raise a lot of money initially 
to raise money to build out our case to test the waters and make sure the waters build out our case and to demonstrate our tech yep and we've taken the initial million dollars to really build out our technology stack uh and now we're we're going on a roadshow pretty soon actually coming up a first week of feb and then you know just going around the country going to all the vcs and basically our angel investors and showing them what we've built so a question for you which is so now this is your fourth startup that's right so how important is that prior experience when you sit down and look across the table from a prospective investor how important is that pro- is that prior experience in that person's investment decision so you know the of the other companies that i've made I've had successes. So there's people that I've have a I have a lot of credibility with. Mm-hmm. So, you know, getting getting a meeting with them is not a problem for me. So it helps me in that from that perspective. But once you're in the door, it it really doesn't matter what what VCs care about is your business and your business case and mm-hmm. traction, right? And market validation. So uh Actually, that's an interesting distinction. I mean, I was, I was going to frame the question more provocatively, which was for people out there who are listening, who have no experience running in startups, I think it's interesting that you say it's one thing to get the meeting. After that, it's like it's, on it's you wide to open. Validate, right. yeah. Is that a fair character? Is that, it, is that it, it is. It is. At least in my experience, it yeah. has been. You know, yes, you can maybe get a better valuation for your company because you've built startups in the past. But really, it, what it comes down to is your results. And if you have results, you'll raise money and VCs will bank on you. If you don't have results, it's going to be tougher to raise money. So you had to bootstrap to get to that first outside investor, right? I mean, you, you guys, the three of you guys, had to basically throw in not only time and energy and commitment, but also some cash in order to kind of get to a basic yeah, level. We did. Yeah, we did. But I always like to bring in, I always tell people that you have two customers, your real customers and your VCs. Your VCs are your customers as well. And the earlier you bring them in into the sales process, the better it is. So I like to start talking to VCs from the first day I start building a product. And I start like to test the waters. Because at the end of the day, if you're not able to raise money, you're not going to be able to have a successful business. But Fahad, I mean, just to be the devil's advocate here, it's hard to get that first meeting. You can't just say, let's go have a coffee so I can tell you my concept. Absolutely. I'm, can you do that? It, it, is, it is hard, but that's what entrepreneurship is about, is doing hard things. I always advise other entrepreneurs to like talk to VCs up front as much as you can. right? And some, some VCs will not give you the meeting, or they'll say, come and talk to me after you have this. Yes. Right. So, right. But, but at least you need to be able to hear that because what I've seen is a lot of entrepreneurs have gone on and built on these products and they've spent a year and a half and they haven't spoken to any VC. I think that's a bad decision. So it is important to test the waters and get those dialogues going Absolutely. early. Yeah. Absolutely. And to understand yeah. what they're looking for so they can back it out into what they're yeah. operationally trying to do or when they're trying to validate in the market, it sounds like. So I've got lots of questions for you. <laughs> uh, what do you think of the Bay Area as a place to start a, a startup company? I mean, there's—I mean, we've mentioned before there's a lot of there's a lot of discussion about costs and traffic mm. and challenges of hiring people and so forth. A lot I mean, of trade-offs, so, yeah. Yeah. So, what do you think about being in the Bay Area? Was that a good move? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, apart I, from the fact that you live here, <laughs> 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 I think you can start a startup anywhere. 
right now. The way the market is, the way the world is truly flat. You can start any business anywhere in the world. The benefit of the Bay Area is that you can make progress relatively quickly, mm-hmm. but it comes at an expense. Right. It comes at it comes at the expense of higher costs for engineers. It comes at an expense of higher costs of acquiring customers. Because, you know, parents here, they see an app and they roll their eyes. They're like, oh, another app. Right. right? So yeah. it's right. more expensive. But also, you're able to make more traction here. Right. You know, but I, I would say that if you're an entrepreneur, t- right now is the best time to start the business than it's ever been in the past. Uh, especially because there's a lot of capital out there, but also because the world is truly flat. You can truly start a business anywhere in the world. Yep. Yeah. So... Um, We've got about 45 seconds. I'm going to ask a, a complicated <laughs> questions, but just a little bit of time to answer. Do you worry about the next round of financing? You're going to begin fundraising in four months, you said, and that will be another seed round. Is that by your choice or just because that's still the stage of the business? It's it's the stage of the business. Okay. Yeah. So it's like so you're not yet thinking, I've got to go to Sand Hill Road knocking on the doors yeah, for institutional it, VCs. Yeah, it's the stage of the business and also because you don't want to raise a lot of capital up front. Mm-hmm. Capital actually is good for you, but also it can be really bad for you. A lot Having a lot of capital is, is, is actually bad for a business. So the key is to just raise enough capital that will help you get to your next milestone for the next 18 months. That's that's well put. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, these 30-minute segments are driving me nuts because <laughs> we, <don't have> <laughs> we don't have enough time. We are out of time for hot. It's been a, it's been great having you on yeah, board. Thank you for having me. We definitely so would like to stay in touch and have you come back Absolutely. in a year or two and see how things are going. Thank you so much, and guys, Where can our listeners me. go to learn about Sitter Friends or to download the app? Yeah, if anyone, uh, they can just go to sitterfriends.com if they have any questions <coughs> or if any other people are interested in get becoming a part of our next round, uh, they can send an email to info at sitterfriends.com. Okay. Great. Great. Thanks to everybody for joining us. If you've got a question about something, you can um, email us at businessradio at SiriusXM.com. Once again, a special thank you to all of the four VIP teams that have joined us today. Yeah. We'd also like to thank our producer, Dana Cash, our assistant producer, Charlene Gatto, who is right here in the room with us, and our engineer, Tatiana Zamis. I'm Doug Collum with Irina Yen. You've been listening to Bay Area Ventures on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Sirius XM Channel 111. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.